0: This is a Blast Box Media podcast. The episodes in this feed were originally published on Crawlspace. Please use caution while listening and follow Crawlspace Podcast for more. Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here
1: today with Lance in the Crawl Space Studios in Wormtown. Lance, how are you today? I'm doing great, Tim. It feels good to be in the uh, Crawl Space Studios. It feels good to be in 2019, not 1976, New York.
0: Yeah, well, so in this episode, we talked to old friend and now six time CrawlSpace uh, guest, Mike Morford, the true crime guy, the co host of criminology and the murder in my family. And uh, so he comes on to talk about David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, Mr. Murder, the 44 caliber D bag, David Berkowitz. So Mike Morford, his show Criminology, they did a three-part series on The Son of Sam. And so check that out on Criminology. And again, Mike Morford, he's an old friend of ours. We love him. And uh, he's coming to the American
1: Crime Festival, Lance. Yeah, I mean, we would like nothing better than to go, what, four or five months without having him on? We can't. But we can't. No, I'm just kidding. We we love having him on because he has so much information about iconic figures in uh, in serial killer and in in American crime history. And David Berkowitz is he just? I think he said that he was like number one or two when it comes to how fascinating the psychology is uh, with this guy. And we really got into some stuff with this interview that I didn't think we were going to go down, like the conspiracy theory that there was a group of people responsible for this and not just one man. So that was really interesting. And you just brought up the American Crime Fest. So we needed to bring him on to, uh, you know, make sure people remember what his voice sounds like and how much knowledge this guy has and what he's going to bring to the table on November 8th, 9th and 10th.
0: That's right. In Wildwood, New Jersey. Uh, right, right there on the ocean, Lance, we're going to Wildwood, New Jersey, the American Crime Festival, November 8th, 9th, and 10th. It is going to be a blast. We have Mike Morford. He's going to be a part of a panel that is called How to Create and Maintain a Popular Crime Podcast And Lance, do you know who else is going to sit on this panel with Mike?
1: Why don't you tell me? Fill me in.
0: Uh, Oh, this this is a treat. Well, Captain from True Crime Garage is going to be there. He's all thrilled about it. We've got Marissa Jones from the Vanished podcast, who's going to be a part of it, who is just a superstar in her own right. And we've got Josh Hallmark from True Crime Bullshit the podcast about Israel Keys. And we've got Emily Nestor of Mile Marker 181 who talks about the death of Jalea Davis. And really, everyone who we're talking about on this panel has been on one of our shows. I don't think Marissa's been on Crawl Space, but the rest have. So go back through our archive. You can check it out on Stitcher Premium, or you can check it out just on the regular feed and listen to those episodes with Josh Hallmark and Emily Nestor. And it's going to be an amazing panel.
1: Well, you're talking about a who's who of the true crime podcast community, and it really reminds me of when the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame puts all of the uh, the legendary stars on the stage and they all jam out. This is going to be an incredible conversation between everybody, and I can't wait until they're able to interact with the audience, so make sure you get there. Make sure you get down to the Wildwood Convention Center in the wildwood new jersey get there go to americancrimefest.com
0: and check it out if you've ever wanted to start a crime podcast well this is a good starting place you get to hear some true experts discuss what made their shows so
1: popular And you know what? You were just saying, if you ever wanted to start a true crime podcast, this would be a good place. But if you want to get primed for that, why don't you head on over to the newly revamped CrawlSpace Media website? It's crawlspace-media.com, and we have a list of all the shows that have joined our network. (laughs) Most of them are going to be at the American Crime Fest. And if you want to talk to us about creating a show, or if you have a show and you just don't know what to do with it yet, we'd love to hear from you, so contact us. And go to crawlspace-media.com.
0: All right, Lance, let's play this interview with Mike Morfer to talk about David Berkowitz. But before we do, I just want to mention his victims because we don't really talk about the victims' names. We, we do discuss his victims, but don't actually name them. So I just want to make sure we name them here in the intro.
1: I think that's a great idea. We we talk a lot about his crimes and we talk a lot about the psychology behind it and then a little bit on that conspiracy. And I remember we brought up a little bit, you know, we have to remember that these are actual people there because he he had a number of people who he attempted murder on who survived. And we need to make sure that those people are recognized as well. So he stabbed Michelle Foreman Christmas Eve 1975.
0: She survived. She survived. Donna Loria was killed, but Jody Valenti survived.
1: And then next on October 23rd, and this is in 1976, the victims were Carl DeNaro and Rosemary Keenan. Both of those victims survived the attack, even though DeNaro was shot in the head. DeNaro later went on to work with investigators on possibly solving the son of sam crimes his next
0: victims were donna demazi and joanne lamino they were 16 and 18 when they were shot on november 27th 1976 lamino was hit in the back and hospitalized and was ultimately paraplegic and demazi was shot in the neck though her wound was non life-threatening
1: on january 30th of 1977 christine frond and john deal were shot Fran was shot twice in the head and died several hours later, and Deal was the one who actually drove her to the hospital. He survived.
0: And on March 8, 1977, Columbia University student Virginia Voskarichian was shot and killed.
1: She was 19 years old. In April 1977, Alexander Isau and Valentia Suriani were shot. Suriani died right at the scene, and Isau died at the hospital. And then on June 26,
0: 1977, Sal Lupo and Judy Placido were shot.
1: Both victims survived their injuries. The last victims before his capture were Stacy Moskowitz and Robert Valenti. And Robert Valenti lost an eye, and Moskowitz died from her injuries. And
0: thanks to Wikipedia for the information. Okay, and here is Mike Morford with the interview. Welcome to Crawl Space, Mike Morford. How's it going?
2: It's going very well. How are you guys doing?
1: Oh, we're doing very, very well, and I can tell, although I can't see you, I can tell that you are sipping out of your Crawl Space mug.
2: You got me. You busted me. But what am I drinking? Uh,
1: probably some whiskey. And... Yeah, what, what does Mike Morford usually drink? He, your, your normal concoction of banana milk and whiskey.
2: <laughs> How'd you guess?
0: And
1: grain alcohol. Grain alcohol.
2: Nothing gets you up in the morning like like some banana and and whiskey mixed.
1: <laughs> Nothing says I'm ready to start looking in and solving uh, cold cases more than some uh, some Jack and banana wave.
0: How is that crawlspace mug treating you?
2: I, I, I'm afraid to use it. I'm afraid if it breaks, it, it I'll never see another one. So it's, <laughs> well, that is probably it's true. Up, it's <laughs> up on the shelf and it's it, it's protected in like one <laughs> of those giant bulletproof glass <laughs> it, things like that they protect the uh, Super Bowl trophy in.
1: Yeah. So, it's airtight. It's in there.
2: Exactly. That makes sense. That's, it's in a, it's, it's in got a little laser chamber. beams going towards it like uh, so nobody yeah. can break into my house and steal it.
1: Well, I will go in and try to steal the mug uh, and I will dodge those laser beams a la Catherine Zeta Jones <laughs> style. There you go.
2: I'd, I'd like to see that. That would be fun to watch.
1: Well, Your wish is uh, my command.
0: Well, maybe we'll set that up at the American Crime Festival in uh, Wildwood, New Jersey, November 9th and 10th,
1: 2019. (laughs) Way
0: to to shoehorn the uh, the segue. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, so uh, Mike, you're coming to the American Crime Fest in Wildwood, New Jersey, November 8th, 9th and 10th, 2019. It's going to be an absolute blast.
2: Yeah, I'm excited. It's right in my backyard, and that doesn't happen very often, so I was automatically in as soon as I heard it was there.
1: Well, when we were planning this with Jim and Nicole from PI Magazine and Unsolved Magazine, who are co-producers in this, uh, this convention, this expo, we said, there's no other place that we should be doing this aside from Mike Morford's backyard. And they said, yeah, they said, yeah that's exactly what we were thinking, too.
2: And if everybody wants to just come over to my house afterwards, we'll have a barbecue up back. You know, Hopefully the weather's not too cold. We'll get the fire going and roast some marshmallows. <laughs> nice.
0: Oh, my God. Your, your backyard sounds great. Marshmallows with Morph. We're coming down. It's a new show. How far away are you from
1: Wildwood?
2: I'm probably an hour or so.
1: Oh, okay. Specifically, what street and house (laughs) number are you? (laughs) We will be there Sunday afternoon,
0: November 10th. We'll be watching
2: football. You're making me second guess uh, putting that out there for the uh, marshmallows. (laughs) It's too late. It's too late.
0: You recently covered a serial killer on your wonderful podcast, Criminology.
2: Yeah, we covered Son of Sam on episodes 73, 74, 75. So that was back in, in August. Um, so it went well, and we, we went pretty deep. We started out the podcast doing deep dives and covered the Zodiac and the Golden State Killer, and there were people asking us to do some deep dives into some more serial killers, and that's one we always wanted to do, so we did that.
0: The people want more serial killers, Morph.
2: Yeah, I think people want to know what makes them tick and what drives them and why they do what they do. And I think for everyone that's not caught that escapes justice, it's always good to dive into the ones that are caught and, you know, see if you can figure out what's going on with them and what things they have to provide.
1: As far as the interesting inner workings of the mind of a serial killer in, in, in recent history, where does the son of Sam David Berkowitz rank in your in your you know unofficial rankings
2: well that's tough um I mean if you're looking for you know disgusting values something like that you know you're Lance talking. is always
0: looking for disgusting <laughs> values <laughs> yeah and if, I don't if, if it's disgusting or or, or, or
2: horrid kidding. or something like that you're, you're probably looking towards like uh Jeffrey Dahmer or Ed Gein or um Gacy or somebody like that I mean if you're if you're looking for somebody that you know drives down a street on a dark night and finds a couple people parked in a car and shoots them I I think Zodiac because it's still unsolved is is right at the top but Son of Sam even though he was caught I think he's number two in that category because he just the way he had that big city terrorized for a year it's it's mind-boggling.
1: Okay, so take us back to when all this started and what what prompted David Berkowitz to create uh this this persona, the son of sam and and when did he start uh attempting violent crimes
2: well he going back to to when the original son of Sam crime started it was really before they got linked, they just seemed like random attacks was in nineteen seventy six um and then Gradually from there, they became a little bit more uh, progressive and and more often, and they spread through different areas of New York um, during the next year. And then eventually, he called himself the Son of Sam in a letter that he mailed to Jimmy Breslin, who was a big reporter in New York. And up until that time, the press had dubbed him the forty-four caliber killer, but evidently he didn't like that name, so he, he chose Son of Sam. But even before the sh- the shooting started, the attacks on couples, he had a history of, you know, small crimes, a lot of arsons that he claimed to have started. Some he-, he may have. Some it seems like he probably didn't. But something in his mind sort of was already wrong before he started murdering people, it seems.
1: Where did he get the name Son of Sam? I, I know that uh, everyone says, oh, well, he said that a dog was talking to him uh, or Satan was talking to him through a dog. Where where does uh where does that those specific names come from?
2: So he didn't really explain how he gave himself that name, but the person who owned the dog, his name was Sam Carr, and when he first confessed to these crimes, the whole thing came out about s- satanic worship, and he was getting these messages from this dog, and the the dog's master was was Sam, so it probably tied into that. But we also did a an episode about the possible conspiracy in the case that there were more people involved and some of the uh conspiracy theorists that think there were more people involved think that sam carr's sons were involved in it uh and so therefore you might have the name son of sam uh come from one of them um so it's 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 an interesting case with lots of weird aspects for sure
0: well that is interesting i hadn't heard that And um, was that something that was actually investigated by the police, or was that something Berkowitz said, or how did that come about? Yeah, so
2: actually there's a a book about it by uh, an author named Maury Terry. And Maury Terry, if you go back and watch some of the Unsolved Mysteries episodes from the early 90s and, and late 80s, he was on there I think a couple different times saying that he thought there was a conspiracy theory. And if you look, and I think it's born of the idea that there were several sketches made of the different shooters, and and a couple of them look like they're David Berkowitz. Obviously, they're at-night. Witnesses can have varying degrees of success making a composite, but um, some of them look a lot like David Berkowitz, and some of them look nothing like David Berkowitz. Uh, Some of them are, it's a thin guy with stringy blonde hair. I don't know how you're going to confuse that for David Berkowitz. um, So it started in, in that vein, I think. And then there were also instances where you know, the, the when he got busted for a parking ticket on his car, he was seen by a witness, um, uh, a good two miles from, from a crime scene just minutes before it happened. And you know, they don't think he could have gotten to the spot where the, sh- where the shooting happened, uh, in enough time to have done it. So, some of this is what goes into the, the conspiracy theories by Maury Terry and by other people.
0: Oh boy. Don't get me snorted on uh, eyewitness <laughs> testimony.
2: Yeah, it's it's obviously it's it's at night. People, you know, their eyesight can play tricks on them. Um, so you have to include some of that in, in the possibility of the sketches not matching. But then other sketches just are wildly different that look nothing like David Burkewood suits. But that you happens all the, the time. Question. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. And, and I think some people think composite sketches can be a a photograph it's not an actual photograph it's based on somebody's recollection somebody's memory and the artist's ability to relay that on on paper i guess
1: so is part of the theory that berkowitz worked with the others as part of a like a a killing cult or or yeah. is it all just independent crimes so
2: it's 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 actually uh just what you mentioned that that he got involved in a satanic cult you know this is a, a guy that's probably a bit of uh, incel to to plug one of your shows. Uh, Heyo, thank you. What incel? He wasn't successful with women. He he was a loner, um, and he needed to fit in, and he found, uh, according to him, he found some friends in, in a weird place, which was down in the gutters, so to speak, of New York City, where they would meet for uh, satanic rituals and uh, things like that, and reportedly there were... Dogs being uh, sacrificed and things like that—just some real dark stuff—and then eventually, the plan to start killing humans um, was introduced. According to to even Berkowitz, even Berkowitz mentioned that at, at one point. Now he's changed his story a couple times. So who knows if he's telling the truth in which parts he's telling the truth about? But um, he definitely has said that there was some satanic activity, and others have
0: have verified some of those claims too. Well, I mean, it's pretty easy to say there's some satanic activity.
1: You know, you know what I mean? Especially when you're arrested for murder and attempted murder, it's a pretty easy uh defense.
0: I, literally we could light a candle in here and say that uh we're doing some satanic activity and we can talk to you talk to Satan or whatever we want to dream up as we um, you know, sit here in the office. you, you know what I mean like like if you if you're chanting or whatever and you call that satanic activity that that's that might be satanic activity for you but it might be complete nonsense to most people could be meditation to somebody else yeah
2: yeah a- absolutely and and again everybody's got the right to re- practice whatever religion they want whether that's christianity satanism whatever um but i think if if and when it crosses a line to killing people or animals then, you know, if that's truly the case and you, you've got something that's that's pretty big.
1: So when David Berkowitz started his violent crimes, he didn't originally use the 44 caliber. Is that is that accurate?
2: He actually stabbed somebody. He he tried to stab a, a couple of girls uh, and they both survived. And it was just a real random uh, attack. But he was later given a gun uh, by a friend of his, or a friend of his bought it on his behalf, and he started using the gun. And And originally the, the shootings just seemed also very random. They didn't connect them. They were in different areas of the city, ju- different jurisdictions, and it just seemed pretty random. But eventually they started seeing, hey, forty four caliber is not real common, and we've got this random shooting and this random shooting and this random shooting, and eventually they put two and two together and connected that they were all they were all involved with each other.
0: So they called him the Forty Four Caliber Killer when uh in the in the summer of nineteen seventy six in New York City when he was terrorizing. And then he was later sort of dubbed the son of Sam. You you said that he didn't like the Forty Four Caliber Killer and did he give himself the Son of Sam nickname?
2: Yeah, he he wrote a letter to Jimmy Breslin, who was a, a, a big reporter in New York and called himself the son of Sam, and it was very reminiscent of Zodiac with all this um, crazy writing and mystical, um, bizarre writing in it, these different claims. And um, he called, you know, me- he mentions John Wheaties, the the suffocator and murder of young girls. Um, and John Wheaties was the nickname of, of one of Sam's sons, um, getting back to the conspiracy theory for a second. So that's um, interesting if that's true, and that's what further feeds into some of those conspiracy theories.
1: Can you uh, elaborate on that a little bit? Um, the Wheaties. So one of one of uh, Sam's sons' nickname was Wheaties.
2: Yeah, his name was John Wheaties Carr, um, and Wheaties was his nickname, but. They, that's supposedly what they called him, was, was John Wheaties. And in the letter, he says John Wheaties, the suffocator of a murder of young girls. Um, so it's pretty interesting. Could it be a, a coincidence, or could he be trying to frame that guy and make him look like, hey, somebody's going to recognize his nickname and try and link it to him? Who knows? But the interesting thing is that um, Sam Carr's sons both died in bizarre ways uh, at a pretty young age. Um, John Wheaties was killed in Idaho uh, in a uh, suicide, or what was apparently a suicide. And then his other brother was killed in a car accident in New York. So um, both of the brothers that were allegedly involved were killed not long after Berkowitz was arrested.
0: So Berkowitz alleged that they were involved because because of the uh, satanic cult activity that they did together, and and this was his neighbor, right? So let me let me just back up here. So this was his neighbor's sons.
2: Yeah, they, 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 some, the Sam guy, Sam Carr, uh, mm-hmm. lived uh, you know half a block over, whatever, on the other side of it, his apartment building was Sam Carr's um, residence, and that's how he met. These, these two brothers was was because he lived so close to them. And they're the ones that allegedly introduced him into the satanic cult.
0: And was John Carr, was John Wheaties, did he actually suffocate young women like Berkowitz said?
2: There's there's no, as far as I know, there's no evidence, no proof of that. Um, although there, if he, you know, going back to that Unsolved Mysteries episode, they talk in, in detail about these two brothers. And one of them, uh, was supposedly sacrificing a chicken on a friend's floor. And the friend walked into his house and, and went off on them because he's like, what are you doing? And he's got a big, like a pentastar drawn on his kitchen floor and he's got a rooster or something in the middle of it that he's getting ready to sacrifice. And the, the friend really? wasn't too happy. That he, yeah, the friend wasn't too happy that he was doing this on his kitchen floor.
0: <laughs> and that's a true story.
2: That according to, according to Maury Terry and um, the police out there, the police, there's a, there's a police officer out there that, started looking into it and he wound up believing that there was some cult activity as well. Um, and they they thought the, the death of, uh, the suicide death, he shot himself in the head supposedly and they thought that was, um, uh, it wasn't an, clearly an open and shut case of, of suicide. And uh, there were supposedly Son of Sam insignias, uh, one of the letters that Son of Sam wrote had a weird SOS symbol um, but supposedly, um, this brother's phone book there, uh, in, uh, minute North Dakota, did I say Idaho for his, I think it was North Dakota, but anyway, someplace out West, he wasn't living in New York at the time, but when they looked at the crime scene where he had killed himself, there was a phone book with one of these, um, uh, son of Sam insignias on it, which, which jumped out to him.
0: That he drew or it was just in, in the Minot, um, phone book.
2: It, they don't they don't know. It was uh I I don't think they determined that. It was written on top of the phone book as far as I as far as I can remember. Um so that was something okay. that sort of jumped out to them.
0: Okay, so let me reset yeah, here let, for because this is a lot. We wow, are, we are okay. So the scumbag known as the forty four caliber killer, uh, is named David Berkowitz. He murdered some people, six people, in New York City. And he named himself the son of Sam, which was after his neighbor, who actually had two sons. Who apparently and allegedly, they were involved in some kind of satanic cult activity together because uh, I guess they lived in the same apartment building. And also, if I'm not mistaken, this is the 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 family that had the dog too, right? That apparently yes. was talking to Berkowitz.
2: That's that's all correct. And and you know, to touch on the 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 dog talking to Berkowitz at some point Berkowitz stated that he had made the dog bar the talking dog part up to make investigators think he was insane. So he'd get off with a, a after a period of time of being in a mental institution or whatever, he could get out. Um, but he, he eventually told uh, investigators about that um, being fake, um, which, you know, again, and he, that may be correct, but also if you look at pictures of his apartment, he had some really bizarre writing and, holes in the wall and everything else with messages, you know, written on the wall. So, if he was trying to sell looking crazy, he did a pretty good job um but eventually he said that he had made that up to to get a lighter sentence.
0: Right, but apparently what wasn't made up was the uh attempted sacrifice of a of a chicken on uh John Weedy's car's friend's floor apparently. Uh so there so there might be some I guess, uh, witness testimony to some satanic um, activity in some way. But again, I just want to go back to like like sacrificing a chicken doesn't actually kill someone in the real life or in real world or anything like that if you're just killing a chicken. Um, and so did Sam, the, the dad of these two kids and the dog, did, did he ever say that David hung out with his sons?
2: You know, I I don't know what their involvement was if he confirmed that he knew him. Um, That's something that wasn't clearly explained. Um, You know, I don't know. At at some point, uh, David Berkowitz tried to kill Sam Carr's dog and shot it, uh, but but he survived. Um, And and I know that Sam Carr was trying to figure out who did it. I don't know that he wound up suspecting David Berkowitz or not. But he was concerned that somebody had, had tried to kill his dog. Um, and then and then it came to be that there was another person uh, that lived in that apartment building that was a police officer. He, for some reason, I don't know how he came to suspect David Berkowitz had been the one that, that shot the dog. But he started thinking that he had shot the dog and was keeping a, a close eye on him.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure Berkowitz uh, acted like a real weirdo in in that apartment building. I mean, if you're up yeah. to that kind of activity, you're um, shooting dogs uh, and and actually killing people. Like it's probably you're probably setting off uh, radar to a to a cop or a detective.
2: Yeah, a- absolutely. And and one one thing too to po- touch on because I didn't say this, but it's it's probably important to anybody that believes in the conspiracy theory, and that is that um, there were. Six people killed and seven people wounded in in the shootings, uh, the Son of Sam shootings. David Berkowitz only admits to pulling the trigger in some of those shootings. Um, he said that he definitely did not shoot all the people and there were other people involved. He said that he had some role. He was there in the area either as a lookout or um, some kind of participant, but he didn't pull the trigger in all those crimes.
1: Right, he was only convicted of two counts. Is that correct? Yeah,
2: he was conv- convicted of the of the the Moskowitz uh, shootings um, and the uh, Bobby Violanti shootings, if I remember correctly. Um, and he, I think, actually the way they did it. Now, this is this is a little bit of uh, um, you almost have a whole episode set aside to explain this, but essentially what they did was they brought in. Because these were in the different uh, jurisdictions within New York. You know, you're talking uh, the Bronx, Brooklyn, all these different areas. So what they did was they had uh, judges come in from each uh, of the shooting uh, jurisdictions and es- essentially pass a judgment on on Berkowitz for each crime. Uh, but back then, the way I understand it is they didn't, they couldn't, you know, you wouldn't get more than one life sentence because you're only you've only got one life is the way they looked at it so it wasn't like you you're sentenced to, to like 10 times they just essentially made one big life sentence they stacked they charged them with the uh a couple of the murders and and made one giant life sentence as opposed to a whole bunch of different life sentences if that makes sense
1: yeah yeah that makes sense um what was his intelligence like You
2: know, you know, I always thought he before I really looked in the case, I thought he wasn't that bright, but he was. He had a pretty good IQ. I I forget what number his IQ was, but he was he was pretty smart. Um, But again, he his you know, he you know, going back all the way to his childhood, he was adopted and his adopted parents told him that his his mom was dead, Um, you know, he found out that his mom had an affair with somebody and that's how she got pregnant and she gave him up for adoption. So he's got all these things going on in his mind. Um, you know, he didn't, he went to, to serve in the military. Um, and while he was doing his duty in the military, he had his first and only supposedly sexual experience with a a prostitute and he caught VD. (laughs) So, um, you know he he just wasn't lucky in in what he was doing um and i think it was all sort of piling on him and and compounding whatever issues he had but but he was actually pretty smart
1: and he obviously was inspired by the crimes of the zodiac and the media attention that that uh That string of murders received because he did something very similar, like you said, he reached out to the press and to the police and you know called himself Mr. Monster and basilbub and and said that he was on the hunt to drink blood like i mean over the top type uh monster uh characteristics there. do you think that his Violent streak was motivated by his need to be recognized for something.
2: I I think that would be fair to say. I think a lot those killers like Zodiac or or Berkowitz, they don't get attention in their everyday life, and they they seek it through the acts. But then they figure out, hey, you know, rather than just get a mention of a shooting, you know, in, the, in tonight's paper. I can actually send a letter and then really sell it and go over the top of this bizarre thing. And I know they'll print that on the front page. Mm. And sure enough, the New York times was printing son of Sam stuff every day. You know, they were in a panic and they were putting his letters on the front page. So, you know, for somebody like the Zodiac, the killing became a, a backstory. He sort of went away from that and went to all letter writing because he said, I don't even have to kill anybody and I could just write letters and get attention. So I I, yeah. I don't know if Berkowitz wasn't caught, maybe Berkowitz would have done the same thing and he would have stopped being involved in shootings and just started writing letters threatening to shoot more people and they still would have been uh, printing it.
1: Yeah, I feel like his decision to move on from a knife to a gun sort of speaks to his um, maybe not so much like his weak stomach for it, but... There's a whole lot of bravado in his letters. And I feel like he, tr- he started with the, with the knife and, and it was probably too close for him. Too personal. Yeah. So then a gun and even like, you know, messing around with some arson here and there. That's, that's very much like you can take a step back and you can do the business and then move on to, you know, your self promotion without getting literal blood on your hands.
2: Yeah, and I think it's just a more effective way. If if initially his plan was to kill people and get attention, he'd have a more efficient time doing that with a gun because the first two people he attacked with a knife survived. So I think he said, all right, I need to step my game up and, and use a gun so I can actually kill some people and get some headlines that way, uh, and that's what he did. Nice, get a job.
0: <laughs> what about... Um... Hi, I, sorry to go back to the the son, the actual sons of Sam. Right. That, but, that's uh, something
1: that just kind of gets lost in the shuffle when people talk about this. Like there yeah. were actual sons of Sam, right? That but, were yes. apparently not good people. Apparently,
0: I, yeah. So I I don't know what um how old were they?
2: I think if I if I remember correctly, I want to say they were in their uh, late twenties, uh, early thirties.
0: Okay, so it wasn't that bizarre for Berkowitz to be hanging out with them.
2: No, they were they were in his uh, in, in his age range. Okay. Cuz I think he was in his mid 20s when when the son of Sam uh, shootings were happening.
0: Yeah, so they might have actually been a little older than him.
2: Yeah, around the same age, slightly older.
0: I'm starting to believe this conspiracy theory Morph. How dare you?
2: It's well, you know, again, it's it's something we wanted to address in the show and we're not trying to sell the conspiracy or Well, not you sold sell it. me. <laughs> we it, there's there's some <laughs> unanswered questions. As a matter of fact, this is the odd thing that people don't know is that after David Berkowitz was convicted and sentenced to prison. You would think, all right, everything's over. Everything's done. Um, they, one of the district attorneys in one of the jurisdictions opened up the case again, asking for people to come forward. Because one thing that sort of got mixed up in the shuffle is, you know, David Berkowitz was known to own this big white car, um, uh, and that's what he got ticketed with the night that that um, he was he was busted. And they put two and two together, and that ultimately brought him down. But there was a big white car that he drove. But in a couple of the crime scenes, there were yellow Volkswagen bugs witnessed. Um, and, and one of the incidents that took off ran a stop sign, almost caused an accident. And they got a partial plate on it, but they were never able to identify the The driver Um, so the one of these jurisdictions after Berkowitz was in jail and and convicted opened up the case and asked for information trying to find out more about the person in the yellow Volkswagen Um, and they were shut down and told to close the investigation and it never went anywhere so they started out looking for that car and and just when they caught Berkowitz they never looked into it anymore Um, so it, it makes you wonder could there be somebody involved? Is is there somebody else out there that that had some kind of role in this that got away with it?
0: I thought you were going to say that the sons of Sam drove a uh, yellow Volkswagen.
2: Well, uh, so this is the interesting part. Now, in, in, in our coverage, in our three-part coverage on criminology, we had uh, a surviving uh, victim, Carl Dinara, his name is, and he was one of the earliest son of Sam victims. He survived, luckily, um, but he had severe head injuries. But after he healed up, he met Maury, Maury Terry, the the, um, the author, and they started a friendship, and eventually he started helping him sort of investigate for his book. And before you know it, he became a believer that there was a conspiracy theory. So this is one of the Son of Sam victims that believes there's some kind of uh, involvement of other people. And he said that um, they confirmed that in the days Leading up to some of the shootings, they would see a yellow Volkswagen bug in the car's driveway.
1: And that was coming from Carl DeNaro, who survived one of the uh, one of the attacks, along with Rosemary Keenan. Is that that's the person you're talking about? Yes. And he says that he recalls now that there were a the, the, uh, a Volkswagen, a yellow Volkswagen in the vicinity before the attack.
2: Not not him, not him in his sh- particular shooting, but in his research, joining Maury yeah. Terry to, to do research, he they uncovered details of witnesses that saw a yellow Volkswagen at some of the crime scenes and a yellow Volkswagen parked in the car driveway uh, before the murders. And That's then incredible. After, okay. after Berkowitz was arrested, um, that car supposedly wasn't seen at the car residence anymore.
0: Alternate theory um the 60s had just happened uh hippies uh volkswagen bugs uh, very popular car yellow very popular car might have been a very popular color too for all we know
2: yeah absolutely and, and volkswagen Bugs out. were we all know, it was it was it was popular back then so if you see one that color pops you see it it's easy to see it's going to catch your attention so could it have been something you know you know, an innocent explanation, sure. But what's interesting is uh, as much as they were pushing trying to find that car, and even with a partial plate, they never did find the owner or the driver, and and that person never came forward either.
1: Damn. I mean, when you're looking into uh, David Berkowitz's crimes, he really played the part. I, I am getting back on this topic. He really played the part of this monster just— in in just preliminary like uh, surface level research you know he would speak to his victims in in a high-pitched voice before pulling the the gun out and i mean he really wanted himself to be portrayed as this monster i'm trying to like somehow connect like how that what what's that called like psychologically because you can you can put that much effort into into anything else you know if you wanted to be a writer you know, he could put that he could put that effort into that. And it doesn't sound like he had that bad of a childhood. I mean, it, he was adopted. He had some dysfunction there. But
0: I said the the adopted thing seems to come up a lot in uh, in serial killers. Have you find that you found that, Mike?
2: Yeah, it, 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 I've heard it definitely a few times. I, I do hear of of, you know, childhood. Uh, I don't want to call them abnormalities because there's plenty of normal kids that have issues when they're young. Yeah, Let them of grow course. To be serial killers, but but there are certain things that people have seized on and said, "Hey, this seems pretty common um, with with children," and, and sometimes adoption is is one of those things. But again, he didn't know until he was older that he was right. adopted and that his mom had given up on him, and he had a a stable home with his adopted family um so he can't i don't know how he could technically blame that um on anything to do with his childhood because by all accounts he had as normal childhood as you could have
1: and has he just to be clear has he ever blamed it on his childhood or is that just something that people try to make the connection
2: no i i don't think he ever did i don't think he ever blamed it on there and it's interesting because at different times following him being captured i mean it started off as hey I was hearing these voices from this dog telling me to go out and kill. And then um, it was, okay, you got me. I made that up. But that didn't really happen. Then later on, he's like, I was part of the satanic cult. And we, we went out and murdered people. And I pulled the trigger in a couple of the crimes, but not all of them. There were other people involved. And now today, all these years later, he's almost completely left that entire crime series behind him and and almost doesn't want to talk about it anymore. Now he's a born again Christian. Uh, and he, you know, he says, "I, I want to focus on being a good Christian and, and leave all that stuff behind. So almost, almost done a complete, um, uh, 180, uh, because he doesn't talk about that, that part of his life anymore.
1: Well, that's something that's interesting to me as well, is that he went to prison, he was given, I guess he was given a Bible, and he read a passage in the Bible, and it inspired him to be born again, and I don't want to be called the son of Sam anymore, I'm now the son of Hope, and he becomes a prison evangelist. Is that just part of the act, too? Does David Berkowitz just not know who he is? Is that, you know, the son of Sam was an act, it was a violent act, and this is an act of good, does he just want to be a celebrity because he doesn't have an identity?
2: You know, I I don't know. I I don't think any of us really know what's going on in somebody's head, especially somebody like like David Berkowitz. So, you know, is he remorseful? Does he truly regret what he did and he just really wants to move on with what he believes is the right path from here on out? I don't know. Um, I don't think he's ever going to get out of prison, you know. Um, He's he's actually, from what I understand, he's actually said that he doesn't want to do any more... um, uh, parole hearings because he doesn't think he should be released, um, so maybe he does really believe that he deserves to pay for what he did. I don't know.
1: Well, they also enacted the Son of Sam law, which was the law that prevents people f- who've committed crimes from profiting on the on their crimes. Is that something that is still in, is 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 still in existence today? I wasn't there. Something about um uh the book Wise Guy which was made into Goodfellas and they ended up saying that it was constitutionally um, like they, they they pulled the law back because it was unconstitutional or was that just for that case?
2: I remember hearing something about the wise guy thing. I don't know the details, but I remember hearing something about that, but the son of Sam law was, it's called the son of Sam law because it had to do specifically with Berkowitz's case because his father was, sort of taking over his finances and his uh, the right to sign deals for him, quote-unquote deals, because he felt and he told people that I think there's going to be some book deals or movie deals coming his way, and I want to be in charge of it. Um, and that's one of the reasons they stepped in and made that law, so that a killer or his estate couldn't profit from, from the, their crimes.
1: And when you said his father stepped in, you're talking about his father, Sam Hain, the Druid Devil
2: and that was his his, his uh, adopted father. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> not that not that that father.
1: Okay. I just wanted to be clear.
0: <laughs> uh yeah, being being reborn as a ki- as an incarcerated killer feels a little cliche to me.
1: And as doesn't well. it feel safe too like if yeah. he's this evangelist in prison, it almost protects him from any sort of prison violence uh, yeah. like, uh amongst inmates like... Yeah,
0: you can kind of become a leader in that way, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, um, like a lot if... of people probably want to be good at that point maybe I, I don't really know I'm, I haven't been to prison but I, I'm i looking at it stop his... it you're hard <laughs> I am hardened uh, by the podcast prison but um I, I'm looking at his timeline here that I just wrote down from this conversation so he he had done he so he was adopted he had uh, done some arson or committed arson at one point do you know when he committed that arson
2: I think it was when he was a teenager. He formed, uh, I don't want to call it a volunteer fire company, but him and some, I guess, teenage friends uh, formed some kind of uh, like a neighborhood watch. But for fire fighting, they would look out for fires and and try and if, if there was a fire that broke out, they would try and deal with them until the actual fire department got there. Uh, but here it was, he was setting some of these fires and, yeah. and he actually, he actually had a log of, of all these fires that he supposedly started. There were hundreds of them, if I recall correctly. Um, but the authorities came to believe, I don't know why, maybe they found out he was in different areas. He, they came to believe that he couldn't have started all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so for some, for some reason he put fires in that he, he claimed were ones he started when they actually weren't.
1: Man. So he was plagiarizing crimes.
2: Yeah, <laughs> plagiarizing oh. arsons doesn't everybody do that?
1: <laughs> that's guess, very bizarre. I guess if you want to be successful in your particular field, I mean that that's kind of one of those
0: markers too that we see that that's common in uh, young serial killers or people who turn out to be serial killers is lighting fires. Um, military happens to come up occasionally as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure the yeah. getting VD from a prostitute
1: didn't help his mental state or his appreciation of women. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you know, you're getting laid for one time and, and you can come away with V D, it's it's gonna probably rub you the wrong way. Well,
1: you know, I say no get back intended. on the horse. Get back on the horse and keep trying. Well
2: but I, I don't I... know, short of him paying for it, I don't know that he was very successful with, with getting any women. That was part of the part of his issue, I think. Well, He's very lonely. And he, he said in one of the interviews with Maury Terry, I was very lonely. I was shy, I was introverted, I was awkward, and this cult you know, they weren't judgmental. They welcomed me in and, and and that's the kind of people that cults usually look for, the the outcast, the people that don't fit anywhere else. In in exactly. Mm.
1: Now when when you say cult, you're referring to the military when he went to the army, right? <laughs> hey <laughs> oh I'm on fire. <laughs> no, I'm not. Well, he's not I mean, if he were if this was uh Major League Baseball, he'd be sent back down to the minors. I mean his record is six and seven if you're a pitcher like you need to work on your craft a little bit do you think that that bothered him that he was so unsuccessful as a fire starter you know, as I, a as a murderer I,
2: yeah i i don't know i don't know um you know he he even details in, in some of his comments he said that he the first time he shot that gun and a 44 has got a pretty good kick um The first time he shot, he shot with one hand. And, uh, you know, shoot that kind of gun with one hand, you're going to get some serious recoil. Um, And he was shooting from a pretty good distance, 15, 20 feet away from cars at some instances. So I can see him just not being accurate. But as he went along and did some of the next shootings, he, uh, you know, would get in a shooting stance, feet out to the sides to get some uh, balance, and, and both hands, one hand supporting his shooting hand. And get a little bit closer to the car, so that combined to make the the shootings more deadly. After that,
1: oh man. Well, what I don't want to get lost in this whole thing is that you know he had actual victims. We often make light of uh, these these moments, these these violent moments in history. Yeah, you don't want to glorify the the killer, but yeah, and and you don't it's want a to... common topic. It, yes, exactly. But you, and you don't want to forget that there are victims there, and and it's just a defense mechanism really to make a, to, to make some light of, uh, of his life just to, you know, get by and not go insane. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, he did, he did effectively murder six people and were all of these six people, young couples in cars that were completely defenseless.
2: Yeah. They were all young people. And some of them were walking on the street, you know, uh, one girl raised, she was carrying her books and he, came out of the shadows and pointed a gun at her and she instinctively raised her books up in front of her face and he shot her right through the books, yeah. right in the head. So, I mean, very, very sad. These are all young people with, with futures ahead of them. And the only, the only you know, saving thing here was that seven of the, the 13 people survived, but some of them are scarred for life or have yeah. or paralyzed. Um, so even though they survived the actual shooting, they've been left with, you know, lifelong uh, problems
1: this he's only sixty six yeah, he was young when it when it happened, huh,
2: yeah, yeah,
1: pretty young, and where is he incarcerated?
2: He's in upstate New York, I forget the name of the prison, but he he's still in New York, still in upstate new York, and um
1: I think you're lying i, I think love... you know the name of the prison, and I think you have an interview lined up with him <laughs> Have you visited I, him? I
2: i think you guys should send chris Duet to to go over there and, uh, <laughs> to to take a shot uh. at getting him.
0: Thanks for the uh, the cross-promotion. Of course, you're talking about another Crawl Space uh, media podcast called Criminal Perspective. Check that one out, where they talk to killers.
2: Yeah, if anybody can get a hold of him and, and get him talking, it might be them.
0: Yeah, good point. Even if they get him to talk about um, his reborn Christian life, I, I think that would be kind of interesting, but... I don't know. It's just all clichés to me. Uh, yeah, I'm do, but I'm bored of him, the are, person to be honest. Yeah, yeah, but do
1: you think that those clichés were just bored of him because it's 2019? I mean, I'm I'm saying no, I think I'm, you, you hit I, it he started it when, the clichés. Yeah, him you and said, Zodiac.
0: Yeah, you you hit it when you said he just wanted to be famous. Uh I think that's a, a terrible way to go about trying to get that goal.
2: And and and, and I think and, and and if I can make this comparison, I think it's sort of changed a little bit to, I think most serial killers now, they don't want to be serial killers for attention. They, they want to be serial killers cause they're just warped. You know, they, they're, yeah. they're disturbed. I, I think, it seems that there's been a crossover to mass shootings now for people that want their 15 minutes of fame. They, I'm going to take out as much people as I can and people are going to talk about me. I'm going to be all over the news and blah, blah, blah. They're going to look into my life. I'm, and it, it's mind boggling that they think that way. But it seems like that sort of replaced the how can I get famous and, and uh, get my 15 minutes.
0: I think you're right. It's, yeah. it's a little quicker. Yeah. A little less um, research or, uh, you know. Prep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, what do you make of his uh, his last words as a killer when he was arrested? So, his first words to police, um, I'm sure you're familiar with what he said. And also, he he said right pretty early on that there were other sons out there. God help the world. Um, what do you what do you make of that? And maybe it's just an opinion question.
2: You know, I I don't know. I wrestle with by other sons. Does he mean other disturbed people like him, or does he mean other sons? that were involved in the shootings with him. I don't really know what he meant by that, but either way, I, I, it's interesting. We know that we know there's other son of Sam types out there. That's, that's easy to, to understand. But what, what makes me think is, is, was there anybody else in his little clique or in his, his, uh circle that might've been involved in, in the murders that, he, you know, he's accused of committing.
1: And what do you make of his words to the police when he was arrested? Because didn't he say something along the lines of what took you so long?
2: Yeah, essentially, he was just very nonchalant. and um, I, I think he knew that he would eventually be caught. Uh, you know, I think that probably realized. And, and again, if if he had this whole story about talking dogs made up and everything else, you know, maybe he's saying, okay, I know at some point I'll be caught. I'll just say I'm crazy. I'll make up all this shit about talking dogs, and they'll they'll... I'll go to the hospital for five years or something and they'll let me out. I don't I don't know what he was thinking, but he was very nonchalant about it and almost as if he expected them to come at any day.
1: Now, I'd made the comment about him becoming a uh, born-again and being an evangelist in prison. He was, and I, I made the comment that he did this because he probably felt that he could be protected um, if he you know, had that uh, position of power and um, influence. He was actually attacked in prison early on, right?
2: Yeah, he was he was actually his throat was slashed, um, but he survived and, and had to get a bunch of stitches. But the 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 person that did it was obviously somebody that wanted to kill the uh infamous son of Sam to get some some prison cred, I guess. Um, to build up his, his uh his resume in prison. Uh and, and for a long time they didn't release the name of the person that did it, but they eventually did release the name and I forget the guy's name, I think he died recently.
1: Oh, I thought we were going to have a crawl space exclusive. No, nah, it doesn't look like it. Well, that's interesting. And and after that, he becomes a I don't know how long after that did he be, did he uh, become a born again?
2: I don't think he found. Uh, I remember being him talking back in I want to say the late 80s, early 90s, and I don't know that he was a Christian at that point. I want to say sometime it was in the in the mid to late 90s that he started. Um, claiming to be a born-again christian and and really
1: he became the son of hope
0: yeah after he realized that cult leaders can get a following yeah. and yeah get
1: admiration yeah, yeah and he's probably not going to get his throat slashed again what a dick yeah seriously and it's
2: yeah. su- supposedly there's never been a son of sam movie made which I, I think would be you know if they did it tastefully and did it like they did zodiac for example i think would be a great movie to, to watch um, there's never been a movie really made based on the actual crimes. There was uh, Summer of Sam by, by Spike Lee, That's but right. that was just Son of Sam sort of in the background. But um, you know, David Berkowitz was allegedly very upset by that movie. He felt that Good. it was just it, it, he felt, felt that it glorified uh, um, what he had done. He was very upset and thought it was in bad taste. So, how
1: did he? How did he get to watch that movie? <laughs> I don't know I, mean,
2: that he, I don't. I don't know that. I don't know the details behind that. Uh, I'm maybe sure somebody they it. Gave him a script or something. He, they, who knows? He may have had some kind of access to watch it. I don't know. Yeah. But he well, was yeah, supposedly very upset with well, it. Well, they they can <laughs>
0: watch movies and, and and I'm sure if if uh, you a movie a popular movie is made about someone in the prison, probably everyone in the prison watches the,
1: it. They probably had like premiere night.
0: They really, uh, yeah, yeah they probably, probably do right. something like that. Yeah. Wow. And he was it's also profiled
1: party. by John Douglas. Oh, cool. At one mm-hmm. point, and John and Douglas... he's
2: actually. You're mentioning John Douglas. They actually talk about the John Douglas uh, interactions with him on this season of Mindhunter.
1: Ah, oh. another Crawl Space produced show. Thanks not, for the plug. Not true. <laughs> not yet. You guys are taking over everything. <laughs> but we love sure. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he said that he he's convinced that he acted alone, right?
2: Yeah, and and that's where uh, you know they didn't really. Son of Sam or or David Berkowitz, I should say, didn't. When he talked with, with those agents, he wasn't really talking conspiracy theory or other people involved. He was more or less telling them, okay, I, I I didn't hear voices. There was no talking dog. I did it to get this sentence of being insane so I could get out sooner. It wasn't until after that that he actually started saying there was other people involved.
1: Well, you've taken us to a whole new um, realm with the Son of Sam conversation the whole conspiracy—that's—that's that's very interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Thank you, Morf, uh for for opening our minds and uh, and joining us here on Crawl Space for this episode. And
1: speaking of opening things, open up that uh that case that you're uh, that airtight case that you're holding the Crawl Space mug in. Yeah. Let that thing out of prison. Yeah. Pop some uh, coffee in there.
2: Yeah, I might I might have to do a little video of it. I'll, I'll I'll do a little video of of I'll turn the security alarm off so the red lasers aren't shining all over, and I'll take a little <laughs> video of it.
1: Little do you know, I've already snuck into your place and stolen it. Oh, my God. And I'm going to give it back to you at the American Crime Fest. In Wildwood, New Jersey.
2: What do I win when I when I come on your show for the 10th time? <laughs> i got to be approaching yeah. that. There must be something. It's a new car, right?
0: It's a robe. A, a robe that <laughs> a has robe. the crawlspace
1: insignia. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you get the, the car comes on the uh, 20th appearance. Oh, the, the
0: 20th. Okay. <laughs> wait
1: till you see what kind of car it is. It's a yellow VW bug.
0: Hey, like, oh, there you go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank
0: you, more for joining us. We're really excited about the panel that you're going to be a part of. It is called How to Create and Maintain a Popular Crime Podcast. You're going to be doing that with Marissa Jones of The Vanish, with Captain of True Crime Garage, with Josh Hallmark of True Crime Bullshit, and with Emily Nester of Mile Marker 181. So, a who's who? Yeah, that's going to be a great panel.
2: That's a lot of pressure put me up there with those superstars. I don't know yeah. if I'm going to be able to.
1: Well, we'll
0: have, you...
2: to, we'll have to hit. We'll have to hit the bar before we we go on there.
1: <laughs> California Pizza Kitchen. C-P-K. There we go. <laughs> you you sat up there at Asoc with uh, myself, Tim, and John Lorden right after Aphrodite Jones basically eviscerated the uh, true crime <laughs> podcast uh, community. <laughs> just kidding. She she didn't. But uh, but and you did just fine up there, and that was after a, a long night and morning of drinking. And you did just well,
2: fine. Well, well, we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it will be. And and I'm just kidding. Mike Morford is not a. Uh... He's not a, uh, a hardcore crazy drinker. I'm pretty sure he texted us that morning being like, where are you guys?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you very much, Morf. We appreciate it. And check out Criminology, uh, especially your series on Son of Sam. But really, every episode is
1: wonderful. And what do you got coming up? I mean, are we doing another serial killer? Are you doing, uh, what do you got coming up?
2: We, we mix it up. We, I, what you, we just had an episode out about a guy that's playing a uh, citizen detective, a tr- uh, couch detective and the case he's trying to solve is his own unsolved murder um his name's terry narrows that was a very interesting case and we've got some other ones coming up with i don't want to get too much away but we've got some interesting cases coming up